Uh, today I'm going to do something that I don't do very often. Uh, honestly, the last time I did something like this was Sunday after 9-11. I want to press pause on our normal message plans and speak directly into what's happening in, literally in the world today. Unless you've been sleeping under a rock, um, I'm sure that you know that there's a lot of unrest, literally in the world. It's not just here, it's not just one state, it's not just the United States, it's literally, it's literally the world, and I can never remember a time in, in, since I've been in the world that I can remember anything quite like this happening before. And so this thing called the coronavirus really appears to be taking the world by storm. Uh, the stock market's been dropping, uh, huge sporting events have been canceled, theme parks are closing, schools are closing, companies are now just literally changing their normal operating procedures. I know companies that literally have said, don't come back. Um, they have the ability to work at home, and so they can take their office there. There are other companies that literally, I heard of a company's going to shut down for maybe at least a couple of weeks because most of their supplies are coming from China. I mean, it's crazy. The sky's falling, and people are panicking. So what should we do? Well, I guess, as followers of Jesus, I guess that what we could do is just not worry about it and go on with life as usual. And I don't know how you feel about that, but honestly, from my gut, that somehow just seems irresponsible in denying reality. And I don't think that we should be irresponsible, and I do not think that we should deny reality. And regardless of what you think about the severity of the coronavirus, we're all being affected by it. Your neighbors are being affected by it. People that you love are being affected by it. And most of us are pretty sure that it's going to get worse before it gets better. And it's affecting everybody. I guess another option would be to buy some extra hand sanitizers and a lot of toilet paper. I don't even know what's up with the toilet paper thing. And you know me because there's stuff I'm thinking right now, but I'm not saying that I want to say. <clears throat> and say, so, you know what, we're, we're just going to buy all this stuff up, you know, stock it all up, and we're going hide to in, hide inside and prepare for the end of the world. And that doesn't seem right either. But it is what a lot of people are doing. And if you don't believe me, go to Costco. They're out of toilet paper. I went to Ingalls one day this week, to, you know, to get some shrimp. Little did I know what I should have been doing was buying toilet paper, but they didn't have any. And they didn't have any paper towels. That's going to be rough for somebody. I'm just saying. I don't even know what else. I told the first service... Because you can tell, like, I just wrote this stuff on Friday. You know, God decided he would change this message on Friday. I said, cool, the least you could have done was told me earlier that you wanted to change everything. So we were in the first service, we were, you know, kind of going through this thing and talking about the toilet paper thing. And I said, you know what we should do? We, we as a church, should put stock in corn cobs. <laughs> I think it would be awesome. And, like, next Sunday, y'all could pull up and we've got, like, truckloads and truckloads of just corn cobs. We can sell them and pay the building off. 
You can't get this anywhere else. I'm telling you right, right now. It would be a little rough. So why are we all afraid? Why are we all afraid? I think we're afraid because we can't predict the future. That, that's, why we're, that's why we're scared, because we can't predict the future. I didn't know I would be so much in the book of James, and then in James 4, Jonathan will be there next week, and I stole a verse from him, a couple of verses. Here's what James said, and, and James, just so you know if you're brand new, James is, is the brother of Jesus, and, and the cool thing about James is he didn't even believe in Jesus at all. He didn't believe that Jesus was the Son of God. Didn't buy into the whole Messiah story at all until after Jesus was crucified. And then three days later when he saw a resurrected Jesus, he said, now I believe. So now he's in. And so he writes this book and he gives this instruction to people that are really going through some difficult times. Very, very difficult times. And James is trying to tell these people, listen, the faith that you say that you have is a very serious deal. Because there are people that are like me that didn't buy into the story of Jesus. They didn't believe in Jesus. And so what they need to see is something in you that's very real and tangible. So he's, he's pretty black and white about some of the stuff that he says. And here's what he says. He says, look, look here. You say today or tomorrow we're going to a certain town and we'll stay there a year. We'll do business there and we'll make a profit. How do you know what life will be like tomorrow? And so James is just being very much in your face, black and white, not chewing his cabbage twice. And he says, you know what? We're just limited in our ability to see into the future. We, we can't do it. I can only make some type of educated guess as to what might happen in the future because the truth of it is I've never been there, so I can't really say for sure. I've never lived in tomorrow. I haven't been there yet. So I can't look back on perspective and tell you that everything's going to be okay. So the best that we have is an educated guess as to what tomorrow might bring. And because we're not experts, we can only listen to people who are experts. Those who are specialists in their field and make decisions about our future based on their advice. But here's the thing. Here's the thing, especially now. And many of you probably have. You've been listening to every broadcast, every TV channel, every internet channel. You've, you've been reading the internet, scouring the internet for all the information that you can get. And what you're finding is, is that even the experts disagree on what we should do. Some are at this end of the spectrum and don't believe that it's a big deal. There's others on the other end of the spectrum that think it's going to wipe us out worldwide. What are we going to do? Well, I would say just trust in our Heavenly Father who knows my future. Psalm 139. And I love Psalm 139. Psalm 139 says this, the writer says, you saw me before I was born. Wow, that's pretty awesome right there, isn't it? So you, you had prior knowledge. You knew that I would be even before my mom and dad knew that I would be. You, you knew me before my mom and dad were even in the world. I mean, since the beginning of time, before there was even a beginning of time, you've always known that I would be. You saw me then. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. Wow. 
And I don't know about you, but I know for me that when I become overwhelmed with what all the experts have to say is that I have to go back and reflect. Now, wait a minute, but I'm trusting not just in the God, the creator of the heavens and the earth, but I'm placing my faith and my trust in my God, my Savior, who knows my name. I think a second reason that we tend to be afraid in times like this is because the God we know is so profoundly small. Now, please hear me. I didn't say that God's small. That's not what I said. I said the God that we know is small. As I was preparing this weekend, and begging and pleading, by the way, God, please give me something. Um, when I got to this little part of the message, my mind immediately went to Romans chapter 1. Romans 1, verse 26. And here's what it says. Yes, they knew God. They knew him. I mean, they knew about him. They, they knew him. There was a level that they knew God, but they wouldn't worship him as God or even give him thanks. And they began to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. As a result, their minds became dark and confused. Wow. And I'll tell you what I know in my personal life. I say it all the time. I've been saying this for years. Hard times force us to flesh out how big God really is. How big, how big our God really is. Hard times, difficult times. Our personal theology will put God in a box. Great theologians meet and they debate and they talk about God, the God, the creator of the universe. And then those great theologians, as they study scripture to the best of their ability, I suppose, and then they come up with these ideas about God. And so what they do is they begin to put God in a box. And they say, God, here's, here's where you belong. Here's what you can do. Here's what you cannot do. Really wise, smart people. Hard times. And you know, we limit, we limit God. Tony Campolo was a follower of Jesus and a professor of sociology and a tremendous speaker <laughs> and a Baptist. <laughs> Not any Baptists in the house. He was speaking, which I think is a hoot. So he's a, he's a Baptist, right? He, he was a Baptist and he was speaking during a chapel service at a small Catholic college. Come on, are y'all with me at all? I mean, right, that's funny right out of the gate. I mean, you got to admit, that's just a hoot. If you're Baptist, that's a hoot. You're going, what? Yeah, he was at this Catholic college speaking in this uh, chapel service when this lady comes forward right in the middle of his message with her small baby who was crippled. And so she said to Dr. Campolo, she said that, you know, that, that God told her to come to this chapel service and that he was to anoint this child with oil and that this child was going to be healed. Now, you have to know Campolo. Many of you probably have never heard him, but he's very frank. He's very honest. In fact, sometimes he's too honest. And he said, thank the Lord I didn't say this, but in my head, I'm thinking to myself, well, lady, if the Lord told you to come, the least he could have done was to tell me that you were coming. You know, like, I didn't get word from God. God didn't tell me anything. I'm a Baptist in a Catholic school, and here you are asking me to pray for this, for this healing thing. And so the chaplain, which I think, again, is funny, seeing that Campolo was in distress, came to his rescue. A chaplain in a 
Catholic school comes to the Baptist boys' rescue. I just think that's a hoot. And so here's what he does. He just simply says, you know, he asked all those who did not believe that God could really heal the child. He said, it's okay. I don't want you to freak out. I just want you to quietly leave. Really, it's okay. Because we don't want anybody in here that really doesn't believe in the power of God and what God can do. And so we don't want any unbelief in the place. And so for those of you that don't believe, if you would just quietly leave. And and then for those of you that do believe, then we're just going to ask that you stay and that you'll help us pray over this child. So then he went to his office and he came back with this, uh, this little small bottle of anointing oil and then he asked Dr. Compolo to lay hands on the child and pray. And again, Compolo being a Baptist, he's really out of his comfort zone. He's never really you know, seen anything quite like this before. He's never been a part of anything like this before. And so really, he did what any preacher would do. He just starts to fake it. You know what I'm talking about? So he was just kind of faking it. And so he's kind of muster up some... Pentecostalism. He's trying to do something to reflect a little bit of of excitement, a little bit of faith, a little bit of power, a little bit of conviction. But he said, I had to admit, honestly, that deep down in my my heart, I'm thinking, I just don't know what God's really going to do here. And when they were finished praying, the little boy looked just as he did before the prayer. Nothing had changed. His little legs were still crippled and crooked. The lady thanked him for his time, and and she left. Several years later, after speaking at another meeting, a lady approached him and said, "Uh, do you remember me? He said, ma'am, I'm sorry, I I really don't. She said, I'm the lady who several years ago brought my crippled baby to you for you to pray for that cat. He said, oh, man, I remember you. Absolutely. How in the world could I forget you? Like, this was my moment, and I blew it. And here's what she said. She said, well, nothing happened that day, but every day after that, little by little, his little legs began to straighten. And then she turned, and she pointed to her son. And she said, you'll be happy to know that much to the doctor's amazement, his legs are perfect. She said, I just wanted to thank you for praying for him that day. A Baptist. It's a miracle. So he goes back to the college uh, where he taught sociology, and he shared the story with his professor buddies, and they all began to debate as to why God didn't heal today like he did 2,000 years ago when Jesus walked on planet Earth, when God in the flesh came to Earth, God was here, and why God didn't do that anymore. And so, as you can imagine, all of these very well-educated, very deeply committed, maybe they should have been committed, but these deeply committed men begin to, to debate as to why God did, doesn't heal the way that he used to heal. And, and so they begin to share their theories. And, and finally, Compolo stopped. And here's what he said. I want to make sure I get this right. He said, you're right. Your God can't heal because you've locked him into a theological box that says he can't. Your God is too small to work miracles. See, times like this force us to admit just how big or how small that we think our God really is. Here's what I've learned about us as, as Christians. is It's really easy for us to talk big on Sunday, but our faith is really based on how we live on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday. 
you realize that people could care less about what we meet about on Sunday unless it makes a difference on Monday. The devil himself does not care that we have our little holy huddles and meet on a Sunday morning and that we sing a few songs, that we preach a little truth. He doesn't care if we do that as long as we don't take it into the workforce on Monday. I'm going to share this verse with you. Didn't have any ideas. I'm going to share so much out of James today. James chapter 2, verse 18. James says, but someone will say, you have faith, I, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by my deeds. Hmm. See, again, what you have to understand is this is, this is James. This is the brother of Jesus who literally lived with Jesus his whole life. And never saw it, never saw that he was the very son of God, that he was the Messiah, the savior of the world. He missed it until he saw a body who had been dead three days and now that body was resurrected from the dead and is alive. And when he, when he said, I believe, no, he, he believed with everything that he had. He's 100% in and so when he's writing this letter, I'm telling you, he doesn't really mince his words. He doesn't really fool around. He just gets right to the point. And here's what he's saying. He said, I'm telling you something. How we live out our faith is more than what we say that we believe. Psychologist Dr. Alfred Adler holds an interesting theory of what someone called individual psychology. When dealing with people, here's what Dr. Adler says. He says, I think this is awesome. He says, trust only in movement. Life happens at the level of action. And then Adler goes on to say, he says, we are not what we say, but we are what we do. What we do is the real key, is the real key to our intentions. And then he says it again, trust only in movement, and that's exactly what James is saying. James is, is simply saying this. He says, listen, there's a time to talk, there's a time to do. And on, and on Sundays, it's a, it's a time to gather, it's a time to praise, it's a time to worship. But on Monday, it's a time to go out there in the real world and show the real world that this Jesus that we worshiped on Sunday is alive and well on Monday. That he's not dead. That he's alive. And that he cares about the things that overwhelm you. James would say, talk's cheap. James says, faith plus nothing equals nothing. Difficult days and difficult seasons will flesh out how big we believe our God really is. Folks, we're living... In a time where we have this wonderful opportunity to bring calm to chaos. As followers of Jesus, we cannot change the future. We know better than anybody else can predict the future. And if you try, I'm going to slap you in the name of Jesus. Stop it. Dude, don't, don't pull that stuff to, a, to an unbelieving world who knows better. You hear me? And I got some big old boys that will help me. I'm just saying. I'm not as big as I used to be, but I'm just saying. Don't try to predict the future. You don't have that ability, but what you do have is the opportunity to share with the world how big the God that we serve is, how big your God is. 
your personal God, your heavenly Father, you do have the opportunity to show how big he is to an unbelieving world. And we have an opportunity to show the world, literally the world, what it really looks like to have a real faith in a super big God. Matthew chapter 6 says this. It's appropriate for today, isn't it? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? Anybody? It can't do squat. I know, I've worried. I was a professional worrier for years. I've got several degrees. I've got a PhD in worry. And I'm telling you, all the worry I ever did, it never changed a blooming thing. Nothing. Today didn't change. Tomorrow didn't change. All the worry in the world didn't change. He says, why do you have such a little faith? So don't worry about these things. Saying, what will we eat? What will we wipe with? That's not there. <laughs> that was bad, wasn't it? Preach it, preach it. What will we drink? Y'all messed up now, aren't you? You just messed up. What will we wear? These things dominate, dominate the thoughts of who? Unbelievers. Dominates the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly Father already knows a few of the things that you need. That's not what he says. He says all, all. He knows everything, all of your needs. He already knows them. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything. You know what the word everything means in the Greek? You guys are a whiz. I'm just telling you, all are smart. Everything you need. Why are we afraid of the coronavirus? Because we're, we're, we're worried about the what ifs. What if I get the virus? What if I have to be quarantined? What if my company shuts down? What if? The bottom line is we're worried because we're not sure. We're really not sure. Truth of, uh, the truth is, is that we're, we're just kind of unsure whether God is really big enough to provide all our needs. Here's a verse that I literally read every morning, and I read it because some of you are probably a lot more spiritual than me. And so uh, sometimes, and I've, I've been very honest with you all over the years, that sometimes the stuff that I've been through has made my God, the God that I serve, look really small at times. And so what I need is I need truth. There's times I just need to re be reminded of the truth. I know y'all are looking at me like I'm crazy, but I'm just telling this is just the way it is in the real world where I live. And so what I need is I, I need the word. And so I go to this. This is one of the very first verses that I read every single morning. Isaiah 41. He says, don't be afraid. He says, don't be afraid that I am with you. You know what that says to me? I don't have to be afraid because his presence, he's with me. He is literally with me. Now, we love it on Sunday when we do worship because... Our goal, our dream is on Sunday is, is we pray to the best of our ability and, and these guys say, God, what songs? What do you want us to do on Sunday? And I thought it was really, really interesting that weeks ago, probably seven, eight weeks ago, they determined the set that would be, do, that would be sung this morning. We had no earthly idea that that set would fit as well as, it, as it's fit. So we want, to enter, we want you to enter into the presence of God. But let me tell you what's sweeter than that. It's sweet when you feel it on Sunday, but I'm going to tell you what, it's sweeter for me personally when about four, somewhere between 4.30 and 5 o'clock on Monday morning, I feel it. Come on, you ain't listening to me. I mean, when I'm, I'm all by myself and, and there's no band to play and the music's not loud 
and the lyrics blaring that God shows up and I experience his presence, his, the presence of God, the creator of the heavens and the earth. I experience him. him. He gets up early. That's a joke. I'm sorry. He never sleeps nor slumbers. I'm not stupid. I know the word. He's my God. And then, and then he says this. He says, don't be discouraged for I'm your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will hold you up with my victorious right hand. Wow. He's he's not taken by surprise. He's not not up in heaven right now saying, all right, boys, what are we going to do? This coronavirus, I didn't see it coming to y'all. It's got out of hand. Peter, what what have you been doing? Angels, did y'all go to sleep? He's got it. I just have to decide if I'm going to lean into this verse and believe it. John 14, oh man, John 14 is awesome. Jesus has been trying to tell his disciples. He's been trying to say, guys, listen, you, you guys think I'm going to be like the next emperor. I'm going to be the next king. That's, it ain't going to happen that way. And so in John 14, he starts to tell them, he says, I'm going to, I've got to go, okay? I'm going to be leaving you all in a short period of time. They're going to put me on a cross. They're going to crucify me. And I'm just saying that when you see me crucified, your world's going to come to an end. It is. In verse 27, he says, but here's the thing. I'm going to leave you with a gift. And the gift, just so you know, is the Holy Spirit who will give us peace of mind and heart. Wow. Now, he's, <laughs> y'all with me? He's, he's talking to a group of men that have given their whole lives. They walked away from their families. They walked away from their jobs. And now everything that they give up is now coming to question because their leader is dead. He said, but here's the thing. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. And he's going to give you peace. In the midst of all this crazy turmoil, I'm going to give you peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift that the world, the world can't give you any peace. Y'all know that. I don't care how many different articles you read. I don't care where you go on the internet. I don't care who you listen to, whether it's you know, leaders of the country. I don't care who you, They cannot give you peace. They're not going to be able to do that. All the experts are going to be divided. You're not going to know who to believe. They can't give you peace. Jesus says, I'm the one who can give you peace. So he says, so, don't be troubled or afraid. I got this. Philippians 4, man, I love Philippians. Philippians 4, he says this, he says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for what he's done. And let me just say, when you start to thank God for what he's done, that's, that's the beauty for me, is I get to look back over my life. I love being old. I just love it. People say, would you want to go back and do it over again? Are you kidding me? That's a miracle. I made it this long. I mean, I'm not going back. I mean, let's just face it, you know. But the good thing about when you, and some of you young folks, I just, I want to listen to the, listen to its old folks. Sit down with somebody who's been following Jesus for 30, 40, 50 years so that we can look at you and say, this ain't the first time we've been in a crisis. It's okay. God's never failed me, not one single time. You don't have to worry. 
God's got this. I'm just saying. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything that we can understand. He says, it's going to blow your mind. This is going to be the kind of peace that the world cannot explain. And, and the people that you work with, and they go, aren't you scared? And you buy, are you out of toilet paper? And you can smile and say, I'm good. I got Kleenex. I'm good. Not paper towels. Kleenex. I'm good. I don't, you don't have to. You, listen, you can look at these folks and give, give them peace. It says, his peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. So let me ask you this question. It's an easy question. Do you have peace? Do you have peace? I mean actual peace. And do not misunderstand me. I'm not that guy. I'm not. I'm not going to say that just go home, do nothing, don't worry, it'll all be okay. Be smart. Be wise. Do what you need to do. Keep your hands clean. All that other stuff. I'm probably going to still hug people. I saw some people this morning like, said, you're scared of me, aren't you? Ha! No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> do you have peace? I'm saying that ultimately we trust in the God that we serve to do what we can't do. That's what I'm saying. And allow the comfort of knowing how big God is to give us peace that the world can't give us. Don't stop it. The world can't give you that peace. They're looking to us. I didn't do this first service. I'm going to do it now. Because the thing I love about this church is that we can be just gut level honest. We don't have to hide behind religion so if you're a follower of Jesus and you would say I gotta be honest I've been a little scared a little bit afraid it's, it's been a little bit it's been a lot for me to take in and if you would just be gut level honest I'd love to pray for you I'd love to pray for us would you just slip up your hand thank you so much I love y'all thank you for being honest Lord, you've seen the hands of really honest people. And Lord, I saw some of the hands of those people. I know who they are. They're good people. Not only are they just good people, Lord, I know they're people that know you. And they don't just know you and know about you, but they know you intimately. And they could, they could be safe enough in this place to slip up their hand and say, wow, man, this thing's got me. It, it's a little bit much. Some people, Lord, are worried about their jobs. Lord, as a church, we're thinking, will we be able to meet publicly next week? Will they shut us down? Will our government, literally for the first time in my life, shut us down? But Lord, here's the thing. None of this is catching you by surprise. So we're going to continue to do what we do. And all we can do is trust in you. I pray for those folks that slipped up their hands, those that probably wanted to, but were a little nervous about doing so that you'll speak to them, that we'll feel your presence, that, you will, that you'll be present with them right now in a very unusual way. 
Holy Spirit just whisper in their ears and, and tell them, you got this. Every head still bowed, every eye still closed. If you're not a follower of Jesus, I can't promise you that tomorrow won't be tough. I, I can't promise you that. I can't promise you that when you give your life to Jesus, everything, all the troubles in the world will stop. They won't. What I can do, I can promise you, though, that things are better with Jesus. Life is better with Jesus. Tough times, hard times, they're just better with Jesus than without Him. If you're here this morning and you're not a follower of Jesus, but you'd like to be, then maybe right there in your seat, you'd just say a prayer, something like this. Maybe you would say, God, wow. This whole thing is just really, Lord, it's caused me to sit up and pay attention. It's caused me to sit up and pay attention spiritually. And I am just a little overwhelmed. But the things that I've heard this morning... I want to put my faith and my trust in a God who's big enough to take care of it all. And even, even if you don't fix everything tomorrow, it's to knowing that going through the difficult times with you is better than going through the difficult times without you. So I want to tell you that I believe in you. I want to thank you for the kind of love that's hard for me to wrap my brain around. Thank you for dying on the cross and shedding your blood for my sin. Thank you. Thank you three days later. You, you walked out of a tomb. You're alive. And it is that resurrection power that I want to put my trust in. So to the best of my ability this morning, I surrender my life to you. Father, thank you for the power of your word. Thank you, Lord, for, man, I thank you for this team this morning that just led us so well into your presence. You're amazing. Absolutely amazing. Again, Lord, my prayer is that you will protect this world from the ploy of Satan himself to wipe us out. We trust you to show up and do big things. So we'll just go ahead and thank you for what you do. And it's in your sweet name that we pray.